guys, three words. Chabosky. <laughs> Chabosky. Chabosky. He's, he's, he's a great one. He's kind of cute. <laughs> he's kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my God. He's a little bit of a cutie. Not you thirsting after the author. What's up, Pops? Like, <laughs> he's only 52. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where I swear we are infinite. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2012 coming-of-age film, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. <sighs> oh, not already with the heavy sign. Guys, today will be drama. Today will be trigger warnings. Oh, God. Uh, but today, oh, guys, I, I, I'm going to say it. I love the way this movie makes me feel oh boy actually not in some parts of it but no uh, guys i'm excited this this is a this is a film that is very near and dear to both you and me and kind of just a part of us isn't it yeah ah uh, that's why i chose it for one of my birthday month selections cuz i knew you couldn't say no i know <laughs> <laughs> no guys this movie's rough on me this is like our third attempt at recording this but guess what it's my last birthday month selection yes, so yes it is but before we get started don't forget you can follow us on twitter at kick and stream KI- C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this little watch party. If you haven't done so yet, please feel free to give us your money by becoming a Little Onion contributor at the $5 level over at our Patreon. Yeah, guys, we are deep into the haunting of Hill House right now. You're getting long form. It's long form season. Yeah. And we're getting to the end of it. And right now, guys, you're getting double because for $5 a month, you're getting two posts a month guaranteed, but you're getting double right now. Yeah, because we're doing long form. Absolutely. And guys, of course, you can get access to all of our long form coverage. We're doing television coverage. We're doing bonus apps. Shooting the shit with Gary and Ross. Yeah. Maybe doing a little bit of stuff outside the timeline. You won't find out until you become a Little Onion contributor at the $5 level. You'll be so (laughs) glad that you did. I love your ad voice. (laughs) And guys, if you want access to our full catalog of episodes, you're going to go on over and you're going to visit our Podbean page. You get all of of the kicking and streaming releases over there for main feed. And like Ross said, guys, today's episode is incredibly triggering. Trigger warning for suicide, substance abuse, sexual abuse. Like, it's all bad. Uh, Well, not all of it. (laughs) Of course, it's not all bad, but like, guys. Yeah, there's a heavy underpinning. That's my life. That's our lives, isn't it? It's not all bad, but there's such a heavy underpinning. Oh, God. Dear friend. I haven't really talked to anyone outside of my family all summer, but tomorrow is my first day, and I really want to turn things around this year. You know, they say if you make one friend on your first day, you're doing okay. Hey, freshman toad! Look at him! Come on, hop! Let's move it, boys! If my English teacher is the only friend I make today, that would be sort of depressing. Charlie, this is what fun looks like. Welcome to the island of misfit toys. 
you like football? Love it. Be aggressive! Passive aggressive! What is she doing? Don't worry, she does it all the time. Do you think if people knew how crazy you really were, no one would ever talk to you? Come on. Let's go be psychos together. So what are you going to do when you get out of this place? I really want to be a writer, but I don't know what I'd write about. You could write about us. Call it Slut and the Falcon. Make us solve crimes. <laughs> D-minus, ladies and gentlemen, I am below average. Below average! Below Why do I and everyone I love pick people who treat us like we're nothing? We accept the love we think we deserve. You see things and you understand. You're a wallflower. I didn't think anyone noticed me. I know there are people who say all these things don't happen. I know these will all be stories someday. But right now, we are alive. And in this moment, I swear, we are infinite. You ready for the emotional devastation? Uh, you're catastrophizing. I am not. You're, you're catastrophizing. This? Oh, All right, let me have my fucked up relationship with this movie, please. <laughs> okay? Okay. Because I'm going to tell you this right here, right now at the top. There is not another film out there that I feel more connected to. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Remember going to see this? Yeah, at the art cinema. Yeah, that's right. And I just remember, I don't think I've ever had a film viewing experience like that in the theater. I just felt mostly... I was just entirely gripped. Sometimes when I go to the movies and I watch a new film, I'm like, you know, there are things that are distracting me, whether it's you. It's mostly you. (laughs) But... Whether it's you or I'm distracting you or I start thinking about other things, you know, while I'm watching the movie. Not a single time during watching this movie. Granted, I was 15, about to be 16 when this movie came out. That sounds about right. So I was young. Yeah. I was real young. You were the same age as Charlie. I was, I was, I had just started my sophomore year. I'd just done my whole freshman year. This movie actually just turned 10. Barb. Yeah, it came out on September 8th, 2012. And guys, guys, today's story is based off of Stephen Chbosky's 1999 novel of the same name. Did you read it when you were young? I read the beginning of it. I never did make it all the way through. You gave me your copy when you went to college. Yeah, yeah. I had just read it before I went off to college. Because mm-hmm, we knew that movie was going to be made right as you went off to school. Yeah. And you gave me that book like you should read it before the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. I never did get all the way to the end, but... <laughs> I think I'd have much rather seen the movie, but you know differently because you've seen seen the novel. You've read the novel. Yeah, because I did. Because the novel is, what's that good old word we learned earlier in the year? Epistary? Epistolary. Epistolary. <laughs> like the color purple, right? Yeah, no, it is composed of letters. Mm-hmm. And those letters are authored by our protagonist, Charlie Kelmeckis. Yes, guys, this tells the story of Charlie Kelmeckis's freshman year of high school living in Pennsylvania in 1990. And 1992. This book came to me at a very crucial time in my life because I had a good high school life. I was very insulated. I had drama club, like I had a support network. So it really wasn't <laughs> until I went to college 
and had nobody that I kind of started to relate to the themes in this book. Why is every podcast I love run by sad theater kids? (laughs) (laughs) Because we all peaked a little early and are a little lost for what to do. No, it's just at that age I can remember I've never, I, I don't think I've ever really identified with a character as much as Charlie, but here's the thing. Charlie and I, not very similar. No, not at all. Not really. Charlie is a very socially awkward and nervous and, well, it's mental illness, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. yeah. He's got post-traumatic stress disorder, which he does not realize, but it's just actualized throughout the film mm-hmm. to him. And um, we're going to see this um, tumultuous year in his life. We're going to break it down today. I am going to have so many thoughts. <laughs> and it's just, it's so nice. I can't describe as a creative person how good I feel for Steven Jabosky, he wrote the book, he wrote the screenplay, he got to direct the movie. I think that's what makes this film so fucking good. Yeah. Is that it's it from womb to tomb, it's in the hands of its actual creator. Yeah. You know? All right, folks, you might have guessed it, but we have names. Oh, God. I know, and we're going to talk about it. I know. Oh, my God. Guys, please welcome back in his second appearance, Mr. Logan Lerman as Charlie Kelmeckis today. He was with us when we covered The Patriot. What? <gasps> That's right. He's William or Samuel, one of, one of the... <laughs> He's one of the littlest children. One of the Martin children, yes. Oh, God. Uh, guys, you'll know him from Percy Jackson, uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. Um, he's in he's in that movie, Noah. Oh, no. Yeah, with Russell Crowe and uh, Jennifer Connelly as Noah's wife. And Are you sure that's Jennifer Connelly? It's not Emma Watson? Emma Watson is Noah's daughter. Oh, in excuse me. Yes, yes. But uh, now you mention it, uh, please welcome in her very first kicking and streaming appearance, Ms. Emma Watson. Guys, it's Hermione. Guys, of course, you're going to know her as Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter saga. Or as I knew her, Hermione, until the movies came out. Um, her, uh, there you go. Her, my one. But guys, uh, I love Emma Watson. She oh. is a child teen actress turned activist. Yeah. I mean, she is globally revered. Yeah, no, she's doing some good work out there. Uh, Emma, we got to talk, sweetheart. Not loving the accent in this film. Yeah, honey, it's really bad. <laughs> You're not American, and that's okay. We love but, her. But here's the thing. I still stand this casting. I know. I still think she plays the character right. She just sounds like she's not from Penn. <laughs> and uh, she is playing uh, Sam, Samantha Button. Did you know her last name was Button? I forgot, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Very adorable. Guys. Oh boy. I hate you for this. Oh, guys. This is a big part of why I didn't want to talk about this movie in the first place. We are very conflicted today. Uh, Guys, please welcome Evil Vady, Ezra Miller. They're playing my favorite character, Patrick. I know. Do you know what his last name is? Patrick's character? Yeah. What is it? Stuart. Patrick. No, it's not. It is. It is. Oh, God. <laughs> Guys, we've talked about Ezra once before because we, when we did top 10 female performances, I talked about Tilda Swinton and we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, they play Kevin and we need to talk about Kevin. All I'm saying, if you don't, I mean, I'm just going to spoil it for you. Kevin ends up being a mass murderer in the end. Yeah. And, um, 
The casting there was just choice. Um, like, yeah, they did a very good job, but they don't behave very well in the uh, real world. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to talk about Kevin was the year before this. Yeah. Was the year before Perks. They, and were, they were really coming into the limelight at that time. Watching them go from that character to this character. I'm like, wow range. Yeah, and then they betrayed us. They betrayed us. Yeah, guys. Like, we don't have time to go into the full breadth of it. But guys, Ezra has been on a criminal rampage since May. Yeah. April, May, that time. It's been a very chaotic time in uh, following that hashtag on Twitter. Disorderly conduct, assault, burglary, burglary, (laughs) burglary, like, come on. Like, definitely contributing to the delinquency of a minor. They finally did come out and go, I have a problem, and I need help but oh gross though oh my god uh you might know them from uh the fantastic beast saga which is not potter canon um (laughs) i'm just saying that like i don't care what warner brothers says um also they're still being allowed to be flash oh my god after everything that's happened in the dc oh my god the (laughs) dceu i'm sick of superhero movies (laughs) i'm gonna scream i'm sick of it All right. All those videos of the announce. Oh, we're proud to announce. Oh, phase 310. (laughs) God. I'm sorry. We have to move on. Oh, yeah. There's no time. (laughs) All I'm saying. Ezra, great performance in this movie. Love this character. Hate you right now. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Guys, please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming in her second appearance, Mae Whitman. Oh, my God. Mae Whitman was with us in our second ever coverage on Kicking and Streaming. Independence Day. She was President's daughter in Independence Day. She was so cute. So very little. She was, of course, the voice of Katara on The Last Airbender. That's right. Yes. Oh. I forgot about that. She's in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> She's playing Mary Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got some problems with Mary Elizabeth. We're all going to have problems with Mary Elizabeth. Guys, playing Mr. Anderson, who is uh, Charlie's English teacher, is Paul Rudd. We're welcoming him back to kicking and streaming. I've never met someone who stayed young for so long. (laughs) Him, Jennifer Aniston, there are other examples. What are they rubbing on their skin? Sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd, um, (laughs) is known for his uh, roles in fool shit, uh, like the 40-year-old virgin, which we covered. (laughs) Yes, we did. Uh, This is 40, Knocked Up, Anchorman, Legend of Ron Burgundy. He was in Wet Hot American Summer, Clueless. He's in the really bad... Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet from 95 or 96 or whatever. Oh, God. And Ross, don't forget, he is Ah! (laughs) Ant-Man. I'm sick of it! (laughs) Sorry. He was in Avengers Endgame. Does Iron Man die in that one? Yes, yes, he does. Iron Man dies at the end of Endgame. Um... Fuck you. Um, we got some honorable mentions here. Dylan McDermott is here playing Mr. Kelmeckis, Charlie's dad. Uh, Kate Walsh is here playing uh, Mrs. Kelmeckis. Dylan McDermott, of course, you know from American Horror Story. And Kate Walsh, you know from Grey's Anatomy. Melanie Linsky yeah. is here playing Charlie's Aunt Helen. Yeah, no, we're going to have to talk about it. That's the thing. I think this was such a key casting choice. I love Melanie Linsky. Yeah, I think, I, again, we'll talk about it when we get to it, but I think that if you've never read the book before, it's just such whiplash. Oh, I know, yeah. Oh, boy. 
We've got Nina Dobrev as Candace. That's Charlie's older sister. Yeah, there's a lot of Candace erasure in this film. Guys, Joan Cusack is here (laughs) as Dr. Burton. For like five minutes in the last ten minutes of the film. It's like Steven Chbosky went, you know who I really like? Joan Cusack. Joan, it's Steven Chbosky. What are you doing this weekend? Yeah, Yeah. you you got any Shameless to film? Because I got a gig for you. Oh, Samuel said just started. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> Can you put some bags on? <laughs> Can you please put some bags on? Can you please put some bags on your feet? We've got Nicholas Braun as Ponytail Derek. I was going to say, there's no way you can skip over Nicholas Braun. He's on Succession. Oh, wait. Oh, God. You've got a dick in your mouth about Succession. <laughs> He's Greg. Softboy Greg on Succession. Greg Hirsch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ross. Why don't you uh, talk a little bit about how this is an epistolary? or whatever the hell it's called. Well, the thing about the narrative, uh, book or film, uh, is that Charlie is writing letters to us, the audience, the reader or the film's viewer. The salutation is just dear friend. But like, you know, when I read it, I was always wondering... Who is he talking to? Because it sounds like whoever this person is, they have history. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, I'm the only person here. He's speaking to me. Dear friend, I am writing to you because she said you listen and understand and didn't try to sleep with that person at that party, even though you could have. Please don't try to figure out who I am. I don't want you to do that. I just need to know that people like you exist. Like, if you met me, you wouldn't think I was the weird kid who spent time in the hospital. Charlie is a little nervous these days because he's had a pretty bad summer. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, at the end of uh, his eighth grade year, his best friend Michael shot himself and killed himself. Yeah. And so he's had a pretty rough go of it this summer. He w- he had a little bit of a stay in a mental institution after that happened. Yeah. And so it's not been a fun-filled summer for him. Uh, he has had to get over a lot of things pretty quickly. And did he get over them or just shove them down? Yeah. We'll find out. It's a lot to deal with before your first year of high school. He's telling us that tomorrow is his first day of high school ever. And that he needs to turn some things around. Yeah. He's got a plan. As I enter the school for the first time, I will visualize what it will be like on the last day of my senior year. Unfortunately, I counted, and that's... 1,385 days from now. Well, while all the seniors at this high school are very scary, there's one senior that catches Charlie's eye. Because, you know, when you're a freshman, you take, I don't know, home economics or shop or yeah. whatever. I It was, oh, remember, technology education. Yes. Tech ed. Yeah. We took tech ed. Well, this is the 90s. So he's taking shop. And in his shop class, there's this senior who is, of course, been flunking shop for four years named Patrick. Oh, God. And Patrick is in the middle of making fun of the shop teacher. Mr. Callahan. Who's played by Tom Savini. I didn't mention him either. No, yeah. Sorry. Legendary special effects artist Tom Savini. You go, Tom. <laughs> You teach these fictitious teenagers shop. He was with us when we covered Planet Terror. He literally draws on his mustache and goatee and is pretending to be him in front of everybody. That prick bunch killed my best friend in a Saigon whorehouse. (sighs) I heard you were going to be in my class. Are you proud to be a senior having to take freshman shop? Patty cakes? Look, my name is Patrick. Either you call me Patrick or you call me nothing. Okay, nothing. 
that is so mean. And this kid gets... Here's the thing. This is the early 90s. You'd think that he'd be tortured more mercilessly than he is in his film. Because he's a homosexual. Yeah, but like, here's the thing. He's quite obviously queer, guys. Yeah. Patrick is gay. Yeah, very. But like, the thing is, he he does get bullied a lot throughout the film. I'm not invalidating that or taking that away from the narrative. But it's just like, I can't believe it's not more merciless. Yeah, it's worse in the book. It always is more it, more worse. It's always worse in the book. Thank you, Stephen Chbosky, in the budding LGBT times to take it easy on this character. Thank you. Well, you don't really take it easy on the character. No, but no, no, no. At least socially. It's like people like make fun of Patrick, but they're still friendly with Patrick. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't like it. When Charlie gets sat down in his first English class with Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Paul Rudd. And he sits down. Charlie, I love Charlie. Charlie so much. He's so he's quiet. He's not going to participate. He doesn't want anyone. He's his whole affect is, "Oh god, please don't notice me." Oh no, please don't perceive me yeah. or I may die. I will invert if you perceive me. All right. Well, you can skip the quiz if you tell me which author invented the paperback book. Anyone? He was British. He also invented the serial In fact, at the end of uh, the third chapter of his first novel, he had a man hanging from a cliff by his fingernails, hence the term cliffhanger. Anybody? And of course they're reading To Kill a Mockingbird. That's pretty par for the course in freshman year English. Mm -hmm. Amazing book problematic in its own way but like you know mr anderson is walking around the class and he's giving an introduction to this book and he's asking the class all these questions and nobody has the right answers charlie does though charlie is writing the correct answers to his questions down on notebook paper Mm -hmm. but he won't raise his hand to answer the question like charlie on air force one in that episode of the west wing okay sorry sorry this is not about the west wing um And then when Charlie's leaving class, Anderson notices that he's writing down the correct answers and keeps eyeing him to answer. Yeah. But he doesn't. And the bell rings. And as Charlie's leaving class, Mr. Anderson's like, you should learn to participate. You know, I heard you had a tough time last year. But they say if you make uh, one friend on your first day, you're doing okay. Thank you, sir. But if my English teacher is the only friend I make today, that would be sort of depressing. Yeah. I can see that. (laughs) Here's the thing. Logan Lerman is a talented kid. like Very much so. Very I, much so. The way he's able to capture this character and make him so lovable. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I don't know that I would have cast him, though. He does a good job. But he does a great job. He does a great job. But like, I can't imagine it being anybody else, really. I, see, here's the other thing. I also don't know who I would put in his place. Yeah. But, like, Book Charlie is just so much grittier than Logan Lerman presents. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, that's just my interpretation of it. it. It doesn't mean he did a bad job. He did a great job, actually. All right, do you want to talk about Ponytail Derek's mixtapes? Oh, my God. When Ponytail Derek is over for dinner and the dad can't stand him, Mr. Kilmeckis <laughs> cannot stand him. I can't stand Derek either. Oh, my God. That's... The evening's wrapping up and Ponytail Derek is leaving. He hands Candace yet another mixtape. <laughs> yet and another. And as he's pulling away, Candace hands it to Charlie and goes, Hey, Charlie, you want this? Are you sure? He gives me one every week. Every week! <laughs> and then when Charlie's in bed listening to it, 
Hey, babe. <laughs> I put this one on here because it reminded me of your eyes. Here's the thing. Sing I... <laughs> me to sleep. Here's the thing. I have also made, like, a relentless amount of CDs for my friends, but I don't, like, record myself, like, waxing nostalgic or whatever about the song choices. We need to talk about this aspect of you and me for a thousand years. Yeah. Because after I saw this movie, mm-hmm. my sweet, young, little high school ass could do nothing but burn CDs for all of my friends after this. Because relationships through music are just something special. You know what I mean? It was a love language for us. When 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 he's listening through all the songs on that mixtape and he's like, oh, I kind of like this, you know, like especially the Smiths. He loves that song asleep. You're going to hear it 14,000 times before the film is over. This is how many of us were introduced to the Smiths. Like those of us who didn't actually grow up in those times. This montage of him listening to these songs, taking his meds, getting his head flushed for already completing the term paper on To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Like, can this kid catch a break? He's just trying to feel normal. He's just trying to have some sense of community with people his age, you know? And like many people who want to make friends and be in the community, he goes by himself to a football game. Well, it's because he's stigmatized, right? Everybody knows what happened to him last summer and what happened to his friend. Yeah. You know, but no one is going to address it with him and then no one's going to acknowledge him either. It's like he's broken to everybody or something. And you're right, he goes to that football game alone. And he plucks up the courage To sit across the aisle from that goofy senior Patrick. Because, like, I was just like, when I remember watching this, I was like, oh, that's safety. He feels safety with Patrick. And I'm like, that's so, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Hey, Patrick. Hey, you're in my shop class, right? How's your clock coming? My dad's building it for me. Yeah. Mine looks like a boat. You want to sit over here or are you waiting for your friends? No, 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 I'll sit. Like, it's funny because football doesn't really seem like it would be Patrick's thing. Patrick is me at every football game in high school. (laughs) The seniors and the jocks liked me because I was a heckler. Yeah, you were a heckler. (laughs) You were a huge mouth. I remember you telling me about that time you stood up during a basketball game against New Pal, and you were like, what's in New Pal? Like a stoplight and a cow? (laughs) Why can't you get up, Mount Vernon? (laughs) Oh, because you're all pregnant. Oh, Ross. Oh, my God. (laughs) Aggressive. Passive! Aggressive! (laughs) Oh my god. Guys, this is where we get our very first look at Sam. Oh my god. I love that first shot of her because it's like half in the bright light of the football lights. Yeah. And then she comes into focus like, God. Yeah, it's very Friday Night Lights. She's so pretty. I know. And most of us have been in love with Emma Watson since we were 11 at this point. And you'd almost think that she'd wait for Charlie to move over. But no, she plops down right next to Charlie, putting Charlie right in between her and Patrick. Sam is Patrick's stepsister. Mm -hmm. Emma, I love you. You're a good presence in the world. The accent is bad. The acting is great, sweetie. The accent is bad. Yeah, no, I do believe her. I I do believe that she's every bit as genuine and lovely (laughs) as the movie would have us believe. Her accent's just distracting. Question. Could the bathrooms here be more disgusting? Mm, Yes. They call it the men's room. (sighs) Oh, so I finally got a hold of Bob. Party tonight? He's uh, still trying to shag that waitress from the Olive Garden. Ah, uh, he's never tossing that salad. She's <laughs> <laughs> he's never tossing that salad. And she used the word shag. <laughs> that is the British term for fuck. 
come on now. It's just distracting. That's all. It's like they decided to leave it alone. And then it's at that point that Sam's like, Patrick, who is this? <laughs> you going to introduce me or not? Yeah. And this is the beginning of so many nice things for Charlie, right? He just loves the rapport that the two of them have, Sam and Patrick. Yeah, you know, like they, after the football game, they go to the local diner to grab a bite and get to know each other. Kings! Yeah, kings. And here's the thing. I do like that they are embracing him because he has no one else. Yeah. I just sometimes I get a little icked at the social dynamic that can occur between a 18-year-old senior and a 15-year-old freshman. Story of all of our lives, probably. You and I both had senior friends our freshman year of high school. I guess you just can't be cool when you're a freshman or else you're going to get corrupted. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. And Listen like, to me calling us cool as freshmen. <laughs> we were not. No, we were so not. We were embraced we're- by upperclassmen, but that also got both of us into some trouble. It sure fucking did. And so I just have concerns about that, but Patrick and Sam are good people. Yeah, no, they keep this relationship mostly pure, despite the age difference. And, like, Charlie's telling them about how he wants to be a writer, and they're both very supportive of that idea. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do when you get out of this place? Well, my Aunt Helen said I should be a writer, but I don't know what I'd write about. You could write about us. Yeah. Call it Slut and the Falcon. Make us solve crimes. <laughs> Call us slut and, and the falcon. falcon. Make us solve crimes. Okay, here's the here's here's the real tea. Which one of us is the slut and which one of us is the falcon? Between you and me? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well. <laughs> that's hard. It is hard. That's what she said. Um <laughs> a little um <clears throat> well we're giving you know what I'm yeah saying? <laughs> but like i don't know i mean i feel like neither one of us is more slutty or falcony than the other when they drop him off at home and they're like listening to their music and they're like bye charlie the way charlie almost lunges to grab a hold of the truck as it pulls away he doesn't want them to leave i know i'm like oh you poor sweet sweet angel baby and oh guys mm, tw oh, domestic violence here we fucking go he hears candace and ponytail Derek upstairs a yelling at each other and he's peeking through a crack in the door and he witnesses ponytail Derek, sweet earth club ponytail Derek, slap his sister across the face your mom says don't go to columbia with candace don't go to columbia do you always want to be a mama's boy Derek? i am not a mama's boy you are because Every single time I go to your house, every single time. Shut up, there, Candace! You just stand there like a little bitch dog. Like, oh. Charlie, just, just, just go. I can handle it. Just, just don't wake up mom and dad. It was so interesting because at the beginning of the movie, I was like, wait a minute. I remember Derek from the book. Derek is not like this all like granola, like earth loving guy in the book. He's a monster. Yeah, no. And then, yeah, they, they did include it in the movie. He claps her across the face. Charlie tries to intervene, but Candace stops him and Candace makes ponytail Derek leave. Yeah. And I just, the way Charlie walks up to Candace when she closes the door. Candace? What are you doing? Look, I egged him on. You saw it. He's never hit me before, and I promise you, he will never hit me again. Like Aunt Helen's boyfriends? 
And then, of course, the classic, he's never done that before and he won't do it again. Yeah. You know. Very common in these situations. And this is where Charlie mentions Aunt Helen for the first time. Oh, like Aunt Helen's boyfriends? Oh, yeah. Oh, Aunt Helen. The thing that you begin to notice throughout the throughout the film is that Charlie has a very deep connection to his Aunt Helen. If he can find a way to shove her into a conversation, he will. And I always thought that that was kind of weird. I never saw where this was going when I saw the film the first time. Yeah, most people didn't. And um, I thought it was just, you know, this person from his past who he longed for. Obviously, Helen has passed away. Yeah. At this point, she did not have a very good life. And uh, I think it's because he just enjoyed his Aunt Helen a lot as a child. And they're very similar, the yeah. two of them. They've struggled with some of the same mental health issues. Oh, boy. And it runs in the family, guys. Uh-huh. Also, the Kalmekases are Catholic. Okay. Uh, oh, to be Catholic and in Pennsylvania <laughs> and have mental health issues in 1991. Uh-oh. Ugh, Recipe for disaster. Oh, my God. And so, guys, n- n- to give us a little boost. Oh, my God. We go to the homecoming dance. Oh, God. Yeah, guys. I, I mean, I don't remember underclassmen being barred from the homecoming dance to you. This is where we see the wallflower. Oh, yeah. For the first time, the wallflower of it all. Charlie being a little wallflower up against the wall. No one's talking to him. He's not talking to anybody. He's just watching everybody slow dance to this really cheesy 90s song. He's been nursing the same cup of punch for like an hour. And then all of a sudden, Come on, Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners starts playing. The way Sam and Patrick's eyes light up. Oh my god. And they stare at each other. Oh my god. <laughs> they're actually playing good music. Oh my god, they're playing good music. Holy shit. Holy shit. They are. They're playing good music. Living room routine. Living room routine. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Living room routine. Oh my god, guys. Routine. Big kicking and streaming energy over here. <laughs> the way they, li- like a bullet, to the middle of that gymnasium. Get out of the way! Get out of the way! <laughs> they form a circle, and they start doing their living room routine in front of everybody. This it's, is so you and me. This scene is just so much fun. It's it's one of my favorite in the movie. And, like, guys, you know this tune. It's a jazzy number. It, well, not jazzy, but very poppy, very, like, <sighs> beat-driven. It's it, great. You know the song, guys. It's a very famous song. And when it starts getting to the, come on, Eileen Tallulah. Charlie, Charlie's little nervous ass is like, all right, I want to have fun. I want to be a person too. And like, he's like walking slowly out onto the dance floor, snapping. Yeah, like we're in the fucking West Side Story. And he makes it to them in the middle of the gym and they're like, oh my God, a queen hat. Yeah. <laughs> and they start they start swinging each other around the three of them. Oh, it's so much fun. These and are... guys, what is a homecoming dance without an after party? Yeah, there is something about that scene from the homecoming dance to the end of the party that is just 
It is some of the best stuff that those adolescent days are made of. Exactly. Great fan service on that point. Yeah, like dancing with your friends, rapping afterwards. Going to someone's house whose parents are away and doing (laughs) drugs and drinking alcohol and you're not supposed to and it's thrilling, you know? Here's the thing, though. Patrick has not given him away for five minutes. Before we're eating pot brownies, right? Yeah, the upperclassmen get Charlie high because, of course, that's funny. He's 15. He's never been high before. (laughs) Charlie, Charlie, what do you think about high school? High school? Bullshit. (laughs) Cafeteria is called the Nutrition Center. People wear their letter jackets even when it's 98 degrees out. (laughs) And why do they give out letter jackets to marching band? It's not a sport. (laughs) We all know it. And through Charlie's uh, pot-induced musings, we're getting also introduced to some of the other friends, right? Yeah. We've got Mary Elizabeth. It's Mae Whitman. We've got uh, Alice, who (laughs) likes to steal jeans from the mall. Even though her family's rich. Uh, Mary Elizabeth and Alice work a lot on Mary Elizabeth's fanzine together, which is about music and movies and mostly the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's called Punk Rocky. Punk Rocky. Like, does it get more 90s than a fanzine? Like, for Christ. Out loud. Uh, Mary Elizabeth is very abrasive and uh, uh, very opinionated. And uh, mm. why are you looking right at me right now? Because you're Mary Elizabeth. Stop! Oh my God. Oh, gross. You wouldn't do what Mary Elizabeth did to Charlie. I but, sure like, as shit wouldn't. You really wouldn't. But I'm sorry. She carries your spirit. Mary Elizabeth <laughs> does. You're like a Mary Elizabeth. Sam combo. I mean, that's like, fine. No, you're you're more like a Mary Elizabeth Candace combo, really. Ew. Well, <laughs> all right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> all right. Okay, you don't have to be. It's okay. <laughs> They're fictional. When Sam comes down and she's like, Bob, did you get him high? Oh like, my God. Sam looking out. Sam looking out for poor little Charlie. And Charlie's just like, I just really want a milkshake. And so, <laughs> he's stoned. And so she takes him in to make him a milkshake and he's high and doesn't probably realize, uh, he's probably not sure of all his faculties and he's just saying things when she's asking him questions. Oh, this is where he casually discloses that his friend Michael killed himself over the summer. So I'm guessing you've never been high before. No, 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 no. My best friend Michael, his dad was a big drinker, so he hated all that stuff. Parties too. Well, where is Michael tonight? Oh, he shot himself last May. Oh Oh, my God. And Sam's just like, Okay, I guess I'll just go back to making this milkshake now. No, she makes him the milkshake. He's like, thanks, Sam. You're really amazing. And then walks upstairs, trying to find a levy. Trying to find a water closet. A levy? I don't, a levy? I don't know. A A portaloo? A portaloo. And he stumbles into the wrong door and catches Patrick making out with Brad. Oh. That's so funny. Rocky Horror, Brad. Oh, okay. That's so funny. (laughs) Because Frank and Fer- We'll talk about why that's funny later, but... <laughs> Bra- Brad, the football star, is making out with Patrick on the bed. Yeah, Brad is closeted. He's a closeted gay man. <laughs> and Charlie's like, I'm not supposed to be here, and is, like, trying to walk away. <laughs> like, he stumbled onto a TikTok live. And, of course, that insecure football player is like, wait, go kill him. There's no, no way, you yeah, know? Yeah, no one can know. And Patrick, you know, closes the door behind him and is like, listen, Charlie... Yeah, I know you saw something, but it's okay. Okay, listen. Brad doesn't want anyone to know. Wait. Are you baked? 
Like a cake. <laughs> That's what Bob said. You baked like a cake? <laughs> <laughs> That makes me bust. I love Charlie. I remember busting in the theater. <laughs> like a cake. Like a cake. And then, you know, Char- we're back downstairs and Charlie's talking to Alice and Mary Elizabeth and Patrick comes downstairs from whatever he's just finished with Brad. Uh-huh. And that's when Sam comes up to Patrick and she's like, listen, this kid has no friends. Like, very recently lost maybe the only friend he had. Yeah. He needs us. And like, just the... This I, just it just fills my soul. Harry. I know, I know, Harry. It fills my soul the way Patrick gathers everyone around Charlie and toasts to him to our new friend Charlie. And the way Charlie looks like he could just crack in half, yeah. like all these people looking at him. Like I, he can't believe how special it is. Raise your glasses to Charlie. What did I do? You didn't do anything. We just want to toast our new friend. You see things. And you understand. You're a wallflower. What is it? What's wrong? I didn't think anyone noticed me. Oh! Remember the crying starting at this point in the theater? Yeah, no. Oh my god. Oh god. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. (laughs) I apologize. Guys, it just, ugh. Because this probably happened to both you and I in one way or another. It did. All these older people welcoming us, thinking we're hot shit, that we're fun to be around, and we're these dinky little 14 and 15 year olds. And like, we felt, we felt special. We felt included. And that is just such an important feeling when you're that age. And it's about to get even weepier, at least for one of us, because we've arrived at the scene where the tunnel song is first introduced. (laughs) And, like, they're in the car on the way home. Patrick drives a a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. and like How not gay. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) How incredibly not gay of him. And this song comes on the radio. And if you read the book... You know that this is known as the tunnel song Mm -hmm. and that it is referenced over and over again in the book, but never by its title. And that was one of the biggest things going into this movie that I was curious about. What the tunnel song would actually be. And guys, it's Stephen Chbosky. He's the director. He was the author of the book, too. Yeah. So we actually get a reveal of what he thinks the tunnel song is. Oh, my God. What is this song? Right? I have no idea. Have you ever heard this before? Never. Patrick, we've got to go through the tunnel. Scam it. Patrick, it's the perfect song. No. Mama Patrick says no. Patrick, it's Sam. It's Sam thinking too. I'm begging you to see. There is no Shazam. There is no Shazam in these times. There is no I can't say it. There is no Shazam. There is no Shazam in these times. So they literally have no idea. They're flying through this tunnel in Pittsburgh. This this tunnel lined with yellow lights, and Sam just opens the back window of the cab in the truck and like gets into the bed <laughs> while Patrick's going forty five miles an hour. And like uh, <laughs> Charlie's alarmed. What is she doing? <laughs> Don't worry, she does it all the time. And she's listening to this song. And what is it, Carrie? Heroes by David Bowie. Turn it up. Got it, Your Highness. Oh, we can be heroes. The magic of the cinematography of Charlie looking over his shoulder 
and looking up into Sam's eyes. Oh. As she holds her arms out, Titanic style. Oh, she thinks she's queen of the world right in the back of that truck going that fast through that tunnel. With the wind blowing through her hair, making her dress billow. Oh, listening to the Bowie. Oh, it's magical. And Charlie, again, looks like he can crack in half. He's so in love with her, guys. Yeah, and it looks over at him and goes, I feel infinite. Oh my god that is the most wonderful one of my favorite moments in cinema because like that's just such a succinct description it's a finite way to describe how you're feeling when which you're... is infinite <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. when you're a you go, kid i feel infinite yeah when you're a teenager and you just feel like everything all at once everything all at once there is no beginning there is no end you're young you don't think anything can ever happen to you you feel like you could go on forever when they tear out onto the bridge yeah. and she's like screaming like and they're going under that big sign i just i love that and that's my favorite scene it's perfect and of course we're back on charlie's <laughs> mixtape shit he will not stop listening to the smiths yeah i mean that's probably not helping his mental health when he goes when he's writing us his next letter and he's going i've been trying very hard not to be a loser yeah (laughs) and i'm like i felt charles (laughs) felt because that's exactly how i felt at that age it was just like god i'm just i have to try so hard not to be a loser and like he's participating in life more. This is where he's first telling us about punk Rocky and hanging out with this new group of friends that he's received lately. And he's in love with them already because they're such supportive people. Like Patrick, we also get a lot of Patrick's backstory from like his tough time last year mm-hmm. with Brad when they were first getting together. Brad had to get drunk to fool around with Patrick. Yeah. And it was really, really hurting Brad. No matter what Patrick did, Brad kept saying that his dad would kill him and saying that he was going to hell. Patrick was eventually able to help Brad get sober. I asked Patrick if he felt sad that he still had to keep it a secret. And he said no, because at least now Brad doesn't have to get drunk to love him. Oh, that's so sad. It's heavy. And I mean, in this uh, tight-knit Catholic community that we're living in, you know. Who knows? Uh, And then we hear about how Sam has kind of a bad reputation over things that are not true. Yeah. Or being misrepresented about her past. Yeah, she's always characterized as the slut in these stories about her, like upperclassmen getting her drunk at parties to take advantage of her. Like, she was attacked. And then everyone's saying she's a slut for it. Yeah. Like what in the, uh, why? And another thing that these kids like to get together and do, I don't know how these minors (laughs) are allowed to do this, (laughs) but at a local theater, they put on the Rocky Horror Picture Show once a week. They play the film. The shadow cast. And these kids act it out in front of everybody. Guys, you've probably, if you've never been to a viewing of Rocky Horror like this, you should attend one. The one I went to was very annoying. Oh, at Ball State? Yeah, because, no, 
Oh. Uh, we went to one in uh, Irvington. Oh, no. And it was awful. Because obviously, you go to a Rocky Horror showing, There's you bring props, you bring <laughs> things to participate, there are people in the audience who are scripting parts to say, you know, like... Yeah. Whatever happened to Faye Ray? She lost her shit or something. They scream it. I don't know. Yeah, no. And like, we've got Patrick playing Frankenfurter. Uh huh. And Sam playing uh, Janet. And uh, their friend Greg plays Rocky. And Bob plays Brad. Their stoner friend Bob. And uh, like Mary Elizabeth plays Columbia. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. Oh, no. For most of us, Rocky Horror was like a litmus test for you know, us to decide whether or not someone was going to be good friends with us. Like, if you don't... Yeah, yeah. If you don't get it, you probably can't keep up, and I'm sorry about that. Because this is peak theater. Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Swim the warm waters of sin Charlie is front row, yeah. and Patrick is Frankenfurter's like sitting on his lap, teasing him. Guys, Brad's there. Yeah, Brad, the football player, is there, is to, there to see his boyfriend in the Rocky Horror Show. Like, like, good for Brad, I guess. I mean, yeah, good for you in that mode, because no, you know no other football players are in that audience. Absolutely like, not. Oh, my God. Oh, we got to talk about Craig. Okay. Backstage, we're meeting Craig, Sam's boyfriend, who is in college i have in all capital letters if you are in college don't mess with people who aren't like i can't believe i have to say that don't be in relationships with high school kids if you're in college i i don't understand the appeal however pretentious we think charlie is Uh craig i I don't even have time to get into it craig fancies himself a poet a photographer a renaissance man i i don't know barf And, like, he notices Sam looking all sad at this party they go to after the Rocky Horror performance. And the reason she's sad is everybody has just taken the SATs. And she didn't do very well. And Yeah, she didn't do very well. Of course, Mary Elizabeth did perfect. She's getting into Harvard. You know, Alice really wants to go to NYU. Very good for them. Patrick's not worried, (laughs) you know, because Patrick does shit in school to begin with. But Sam is like, I just kind of feel like, you know, I'm spiraling. Like, I really need to do well on this if I want to get ahead i want to put some things in my life back together she goes i have to do much better i got my sat results back oops you can take them again you know yeah it's just if i'm going to penn state main campus i have to do much better i wish i would have studied freshman year it's a bit of a mess i'll help you study for the next one will you yeah of course I feel like at the beginning of their relationship here as friends, she kind of treats him more like a little brother mm-hmm. than, a, than a, you know, a peer. It makes it weird later. Uh, but it does make it a little weird later. But I think that's I think she's doing it correctly. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, until she does it. OK, well, <laughs> things change, obviously. Mm-hmm. Cut to Charlie handing in yet another essay yeah. to Mr. Anderson. And after when Anderson's like, you want another one? And Charlie's like, sure. Oh, sure. he gives just, him the fucking catcher in the ride. And like, which is apparently one of Stephen Chbosky's faves. And I'm like, okay, mm, Steve. Red flag. What a, I know, right? <laughs> I know, a little bit. And like, Charlie turns around before he leaves and he goes, Can I ask you something? Yeah. Why do nice people choose the wrong people to date? 
Are we talking about anyone specific? Well, we accept the love we think we deserve. Can we make them know that they deserve more? We can try. Oh! Yeah. Mr. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Well, why did you have to do that? I, I do kind of hate that it's coming out of this pretentious English teacher's mouth, but he's right. I mean, if I took nothing else away from this story, that was the most important thing I took away from this. I know, right? We accept the love we think we deserve. And we're not trying to be victim blamey about that. Like, you know, it, it. you know, people are, you know, when they're in trouble or when they have low self-esteem, like, they deserve help. And, like, they're victims. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, that is just how Charlie begins to reason how people he loves and respects can have such poor taste in partners. Exactly. Can we talk about one of my favorite scenes in the movie? When Patrick is, like, submitting to his winter final for shop class, they've been building a clock all semester, and (laughs) all the other clocks in class look pretty good. You know, most of them even run. But Mr. Savini, Mr. Savini, the shop teacher... Mr. Callahan. Yeah, he gets to Patrick's clock, and Patrick's clock is lopsided, it's off-center, it's not ticking, and, like, (laughs) Mr. Savini's just like, are you serious? You gotta be kidding me. If you fail me, you get me next semester. Patrick holding his C minus final grade over his head, shouting to the heavens. Sam and Charlie just hanging on to him like below average. I am below average. Celebrating the mediocrity. I am here for it. When we cut to their little secret Santa party, they're having no more applications, no more SATs. Yeah, Sam got her SAT scores back. And she did really well. Like a 12 something? I can't remember. That's way too long ago for me now. Charlie, you smooth killer. Oh my god. Got her a good score on the SATs, man. When they're all opening up each other's presents and Mary Elizabeth is opening up hers. Oh look, multiple pairs of jeans. (laughs) I wonder who got me these. Alice. And she pulls out her C. Oh my god, guys, she actually paid. She didn't steal them. (laughs) That's nice. Charlie gets up to guess who his secret Santa is and basically he is wearing his present or at least the first part of his present and he's like I've received socks a shirt pants a belt and shoes it's a suit yeah it's a whole look why all the clothes well all the great writers used to wear great suits so your last present is on a towel rack in the bathroom delve into our facilities emerge a star Will you hand these out while I'm gone? Wait a second. There's only Secret Santa presents. There's rules. Mary Elizabeth, why are you trying to eat Christmas? (laughs) Hand them out, Sam. All right. Emerge a star. Yeah. (laughs) And then while Charlie is dressing, everybody else is opening their presents from him. He gave Mary Elizabeth $40. Remember when he asked his dad for $40? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, "He, he gave me $40 to print punk Rocky in color next time. Yeah. And then... He got Bob Bubbles. And guys, Sam gets, as a present from Charlie, a little LP of something by the Beatles. Then he he emerges a star, indeed. He's all dressed up. He's got tie on. He's got suit jacket on. He looks so smart. And Patrick's like, you know, all the old writers used to wear suits and stuff like this and look cute. 
And then, guys, the hits just keep on coming because then Sam takes him into her bedroom. <laughs> Is this your room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if I'm Charlie, I'm like, what's about to happen here? Oh, uh, we're getting a special. We're giving Charlie a special present, too. And Sam goes over to her desk and she reveals this old typewriter. And he's just flabbergasted. He just doesn't even know what to say. He's almost acting as though this isn't really for him. Yeah. It's like he can't comprehend that she got this for him. And to say, to say thank you for help on the SATs, right? Yeah. She's got this sheet of paper in it that's already been typed on. And it's the first line. It says, write about us. Write about us. And Charlie types back on the keyboard. I will. This is just... Steve, <laughs> is this a memoir? <laughs> no, it is. I think it is a memoir. It's partially autobiographical, according to what I've read. Like, I, I just... Oh, Stephen. Stephen, I hope you didn't have it too tough as a young person, because this is just... The raw emotion in this narrative is so much. Oh, oh and, then, and then they start talking about, you know, how... He's sorry that he she has to go and spend the holidays with her dad, you know. Mm-hmm. She's also talking about how, like, she feels like she's starting to turn things around. Like she said, like, she feels like she's doing a lot better. Like she said she needed to earlier on. And he's a part of that. Yeah, guys, we have to we have to slow down on this for a second. Because Sam is asking him about whether or not he's ever had a girlfriend. And he's like, well, I'm not, I don't really think so. Not like how you've had, like, you know, what was your first kiss like? All that kind of stuff. And this is where we learn that Sam was molested Mm -hmm. by one of her dad's friends. And, like, admits to him that she used to get wasted to get guys' approval. Mm-hmm. and But this is the first time she's ever felt validated by some really good, non-familial male support. You know, Charlie, I used to sleep with guys who treated me like shit and uh, get wasted all the time. But now I feel like I have a chance. Like, I, I could even get into a real college. It's true, you can do it. And, like, that is so validating and intoxicating to a 15-year-old boy. And the thing is, this is where Charlie says that his Aunt Helen had the same thing happen to her when she was a child. Oh, man. And that he, that, that he can at least understand where she's coming from, you know? Yeah, and it's just so awful because, like, Aunt Helen was his favorite person in the world. Yeah, and that's what he tells her, that she was his favorite person of in the world. And the way that Sam is almost tearing up, like, she must have been a great aunt. Yeah. You know? She was my favorite person in the world until now. Oh, oh. God. And, and, th- and then, of course, she's just so flattered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's just so flattered. Here we go. <sighs> You know how Craig and I are, you know, together. I want with the way she goes. I want to forget about that for a minute, <gasps> guys. And the way his little eyes perk up. Okay, guys. I don't, I got problems with this. You you knew I would, Charlie. I know that you know, I like Craig. But I I want to forget about that for a minute. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that the first person who kisses you loves you. Okay? Sam, in, let's call it, 
a pure spirit, uh, I'm definitely using quotes around that word, she gives Charlie his very first kiss in the world. She says, I just want to make sure the very first person who kisses you loves you. And like, that's very sweet and everything, but... He is 15, she is 18, and if she was male and he was female, I would definitely have problems with that. Yeah, no- No no, double standards here. No doubt. So here's the thing, y'all. To add insult to injury, his birthday's on Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, his birthday's on Christmas, so he doesn't get uh, too many presents. No. You know? And, like, his birthday is definitely a trigger for him. It's holiday time. He's alone with the family. This is when Big Brother comes home, Chris. Oh, yeah, he does have an older brother. Yeah, he's he's at uh, University of Pennsylvania playing football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, God, what what a tough act to follow, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is where we start to get some little bit more information about Aunt Helen. Oh, God. And we're going through these, you know, series of, like, he's always having these little recollections, you know? Flashbacks. Flashbacks throughout the movie. And there's this one of him, you know, very tiny, him and his brother and sister lined up on the staircase. And Aunt Helen is obviously coming to stay for a little while Mm -hmm. because of the abuse that she's facing outside of that home. Mm -hmm. And that scene of her zipping up his jacket in in the front yard and all the candles lit on the side of the road to yeah. make a, you know, a landing strip for Santa. Oh, God. Yeah, and she's like, she whispers in his ear. She zips up his coat and whispers in his ear. Can you see it, Charlie? The Luminaria is a landing strip for Santa Claus. Why don't you keep an eye out for him? And I will be right back, okay? Going to get your birthday present. Oh, no. And, and oh god yeah guys remember aunt helen is no longer with us yeah and this is where we learn that aunt helen died in a car accident on the way home from getting charlie his birthday present ross what was the birthday present it was the beatles record that he gave to sam I might cry. Yeah, no. That was so important to him. That horrible shot we see of Aunt Helen driving with the LP on the passenger seat, and we just see that semi barrel her over. Oh, yeah. it's awful. We get to that New Year's party, and um, <laughs> he's a little distraught because Sam is with Craig. Yeah, at the New Year's party, and a little, very, but not a little, very smitten with Craig at this party, and so he's realized he's thrown away his shot. Yeah. You know? Or rather, he didn't shoot it in the first place. Yeah, no, he never shot his shot. He never got to. I mean, Craig's in college, and he's a freshman. Yeah, guys, just, I'm sorry. There are plenty of people at college to date while you are in college. Yeah. Date someone in college, please. Please don't pick from the local high schools. And also... Charlie is taking LSD for the first time. Oh, God. (laughs) When he's staring at Sam and Craig being all cute and kissy. Gross. And turns to Mary Elizabeth, how long does this usually take to work? And Mary Elizabeth just like smiles at him like, oh, baby, you're in for a night, you know? He has begun to trip balls, right? Oh, man. And he is out. He's standing in that driveway of that house that they're at. And he's shoveling an, a, a circle of snow from around him. Oh, Charlie, what are you doing out here? Shoveling snow, huh? I have to get this driveway clean. And then I'm going to congratulate you on being happy because you deserve it. 
You said that an hour ago. Is that tonight? Oh, I just saw this tree, but it was a dragon. And it was a tree again. It just lied to me. Oh, no. <laughs> Charlie. And, like, Sam's like, okay, hold on. Calm down. All right? You know, don't freak out. And then she tells him to look at the stars and how pretty they are. And then the way the camera just goes into the stars, because she gives him those special glasses to help him. Yeah. Why does she just have those? I, probably because she knew people were going to be tripping balls. Uh, I mean, good for her. Girl Scout, always prepared. And he's walking through this house, tripping, and he ends up outside. By himself. And he's just wandering through the snow into the trees. Like, if you're tripping the light fantastic, it's not a good time to be alone. And he just, like, falls back in the snow and is looking at the stars. Oh, oh and that's that. this is where we actually got all of the Aunt Helen shit. Yeah. And he's remembering all of it or picturing all of it again and... Oh, he makes the snow angel. Oh, God. Because he misses his Aunt Helen. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't no, make no. me feel these things. And uh, we go to the ER. Yeah, because he passed out in the snow. <laughs> Officer, I would never, ever do drugs. <laughs> never. Not. Well, you want to tell me what you're doing out on the ground in the snow at 6 a.m.? Well, I just was very, very feverish, and I laid down, and I took a nap. <laughs> And no, the way his parents are looking at him. They don't believe him for a second. Is this the part of the movie where Charlie gets to be in the Rocky Shadow cast? Uh, Yeah, no. Um, They're sitting in the dressing room waiting for the show to start. And Greg has not showed up to fulfill his role tonight as Rocky. Yeah. uh, In the Rocky Horror Show. And (laughs) Mary Elizabeth is like, Greg has flaked out on us again, so I need a Rocky. Brad? No, no way. No, I'm not. I'm. There's people out there. No. Charlie, take off your clothes. No! Yeah, no. Because again, if you've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, you have no way of knowing that the character of Rocky appears solely in a pair of itty-bitty gold boxer shorts. And cut to... Charlie being revealed in front of an entire audience in eeny teeny golden boxer shorts. The other thing you might not know is that the character of Rocky in the movie gets to touch Susan Sarandon's like bra and mm-hmm. boobies. And so we're and- acting out the creature of the night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> touch it, touch it, touch <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like Charlie is nervously. <laughs> no, the way that she is tearing her clothes off, Sam is tearing her clothes off playing Janet and, he's like- and putting his hands on her chest. And he's literally, you know, how when people are talking to Charlie, he will screw his lips up and like nod. <laughs> yep. He just keeps doing that <laughs> as she is making him touch her. Uh, They're finishing out the song and the kick line, and it's he feels so included. Yeah. And I just, I love it. Well, this goes sideways pretty fast. It sure does. Because Mary Elizabeth comes up to him after the show, and this is where she asks him to the Sadie Hawkins dance. Yeah. That, you know, tired old tradition where the girls ask the boys because we need a special thing for that for some reason. Uh-huh. And... 
you know, <laughs> Charlie says, okay, because I don't think Charlie would be vocal about it even if he didn't want to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so he attends the, <laughs> the Sadie Hawkins dance. With Mary Elizabeth. Yeah. And Mary Elizabeth takes this as license to proclaim that she is now in a relationship with Charlie. Oh, here we go. Here's the beginning of my problem with Mary Elizabeth. Dear friend, I'm sorry I haven't written for a while, but things are a total disaster. I probably should have been honest about how I didn't want to go out with Mary Elizabeth after Sadie's, but I really didn't want to hurt her feelings. Mary Elizabeth is a really nice person underneath the part of her that hates everyone. <laughs> when he walks off the bus on Ash Wednesday and she literally licks her hand and wipes the ash off his forehead. Because she's a Buddhist. Yeah. Like, none of that dirty Catholicism here. She's a Buddhist punk. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense. I tried hard to love her like I love Sam. And guys, this just ends so awkwardly. This could not have gone worse. Because... We all were in high school. We all probably at one point or another were involved in a game of truth or dare. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, an excuse to touch each other. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, we're all in a circle. It's the regular gang. Oh, Carrie. I know. Guys, we've all, I'm sorry, one, real quick, we've all done something in our lives like this that was just not cool. Yeah. And we opened our mouths and we fucked up. Yeah. And now we, we think about it at night when we're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. No, I'm laying, <laughs> staring at my ceiling at night. And the reel starts playing. <laughs> that thing you said that one time. Patrick dares Charlie to kiss, and these are his exact words, the prettiest girl in the room on the lips. And, you know, I think Patrick thinks that Charlie is going to go for Mary Elizabeth. They are dating. Yeah, he was setting that up. And uh, Charlie does not kiss Mary Elizabeth. Oh, it's like it's an impulse, man. And notice I charitably said girl and not person. Because let's face it, I'd smoke all you bitches. Charlie kisses Sam. <gasps> oh, that's fucked up. Oh, no. Uh, I just really can't believe that happened. Ooh. I remember watching it in the movie and I was like, Oh no, he's done. Oh no, shit, don't do that. And he is done. Mary Elizabeth storms away, and Patrick basically tells Charlie to stay away from them for a little while. Oh yeah, everybody's mad. Yeah, everybody's really mad about that, especially Sam. Mm -hmm. oh, well, especially Mary Beth, but you know what I'm saying. And like, Charlie just kind of enters this era of, again, total disaster. Yeah, he doesn't have his friends. He doesn't have a support network. Stuff starts to go really south. And the thing is, is even though he's staying away from the girls for a while, he and Patrick still, you know, kind of remain in touch. They still hang out and everything. But it's not enough because Patrick's going through his own shit right now. Yeah, with uh, Brad, if you can imagine. Yeah, Patrick and Brad eventually break up because Brad's dad catches them together. Yeah, that's not good. And basically, Brad's dad almost killed him. Yeah, Patrick shows up to school with a big, fat shiner. It's so awful because Brad's not talking to Patrick. Patrick's kind of alone on his own. Mm -hmm. And this is the scene where a fight breaks out in the cafeteria. Yeah, because Patrick's just trying to go sit down with his lunch. 
And one of Brad's, what is what does he refer to them as? Your gorillas? Yeah. One of your <laughs> one of your apes trips him. Oops. Sorry, nothing. You gonna do anything? What are you talking about? I'm talking about your pet ape just tripped me. You can say something? Why would I? You know why. Do your friends know what kind of sick shit you're trying to pull, but you better walk away right now. The, the apes, like, are on Patrick. No, like, he's like, do you want your friends to know how you really got those bruises? <gasps> and he's like, I got jumped in a parking lot. Really? Shenley Park? The Fruit Bowl? You know, like, do your friends know? Do you want them to know? And he's like, I don't know what kind of shit you're trying to pull. And this erupts into a physical altercation between the apes and Brad and Patrick, where they are literally just punching him in the stomach it's over like and over five and over again. Yeah. And like Sam tries to intervene, but one of the apes throws her on the ground. Oh, and that that's what triggers Charlie. Yeah, no, everybody is up in a circle watching these boys beat the shit out of Patrick. And here comes Charlie. Charlie walks right into the circle and the screen goes black. Yeah, because he, <laughs> he blacks out. Yeah. I, this has happened to me before where something comes over me and I don't remember the next 30 seconds. And it just, it fades back up on Charlie huffing and puffing over these apes. His he, hand is bruised so badly. His knuckles are bloody. Yeah. And he looks those bullies dead in the face. And this makes my asshole pop. I uh, know. I was afraid when when I when I saw him say this. Touch my friends again and I'll blind you. Oh. Okay, Charles. Okay, Charles Kilmeckis. <laughs> okay. Holy Who, shit. Who the fuck is I know. What, what, Shit. When he's sitting in the office waiting to be disciplined. Oh, And God. Brad walks out of the office. And, oh, I hate Brad. Yeah, he goes to Charlie. Hey, Charlie, thanks for stopping him. And Charlie just, like, looks sideways like, yeah, sure, no problem, Brad. Like, you could have done something too, Brad. Yeah. You should have. And, like, Charlie is walking outside of school and Sam is waiting for him. Yeah. And Sam is like... And Charlie's like, I don't, I don't really know what happened. I don't know what I did. And Sam's like, do you want me to tell you? You saved my brother. That's what you did. So you're not even scaring me? No. Can we be friends again? Of course. Oh. And Charlie's like, oh, thank God. Can we be friends again? (laughs) No, here's the Charlie really scared himself there. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's like, you're not afraid of me? Yeah. And Sam's like, no, 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 I'm not afraid of you. She literally throws her arm around him and is like, come on, let's go be psychos together. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, when, when Mary Elizabeth is introducing Charlie to her new sophisticated college-level boyfriend. Oh, fucking barf. I can't stand it. I am with Rick now, or Steve, or whatever the hell his name is. I think it's Rick. <laughs> He's opinionated. We have intellectual debates. I know this is hard for you. And I'm like, Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> no one gives a shit, her, Mary Elizabeth. Her new college look with the glasses. <laughs> Cut to Sam. They're like, they've got this, it's her It's her college application acceptance letter. Yeah. And like, she's so nervous to open it and she opens it and of course she like walks away. She fakes them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I require you to take our summer session at the main campus immediately following your high school graduation. 
got in, Charlie. participate in a very special summer program mm-hmm. oh my god oh my god and then because like we're getting we're, we're coming to the end right we're coming to the end of this first year of high school the end of charlie's freshman year the end of their senior year they're about to graduate uh, i love patrick's senior prank which oh. was organizing all of the uh saws and tools in the shop and spray painting them pink yeah yeah i love it it's perfect the way mr callahan's just staring at all of them <laughs> uh. Charlie's writing again, and he says, after all that, all Patrick could talk about was their college and all their futures. Mm-hmm. Alice did get into NYU film school. Patrick was going to the University of Washington because he wants to be near the music in Seattle. It all feels very exciting. I just wish it were happening to me. Especially because ever since I blacked out in the cafeteria, it's been getting worse. And I can't turn it off this time. Oh no, guys. Yeah. We are entering the trigger heavy portion of this film. <laughs> when Okay, it's his last English class, right? His last class with Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, who's going to read for pleasure this summer? And Charlie's the only one that puts his hand up. He's participating. Yeah. And oh, here's the really emotional conversation with Mr. Mr. Paul Rudd. Mr. Paul and like he's like you know what charlie i was thinking that maybe i could still give you books next year and charlie's like yeah yeah of course absolutely i'm a a complete pretentious nerd of course i'm gonna do that (laughs) i think you could write one of them one day really i do you're the best teacher i've ever had thank you the way he just like he's like Thank you. Yeah. And they share in an awkward hug. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just really nice. And it just the way it makes him grin. Oh, my God. When the bell is getting ready to ring at the end of their last day of senior year, the look on all of their faces as the bell rings. They're counting down from 10. Patrick's face just the The way he takes off down the middle of the hallway. Dear friend, I wanted to tell you about us running. There was this beautiful sunset, and just a few hours before, everyone I love had their last day of high school ever. Oh yeah, when he's going, he's taking their prom pictures for them. Oh my God, Candace broke up with Derek. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. That gets completely cut out of the movie. Candace breaks up with Derek. Because I, remember, I don't know if you remember the book or not, but Candace has to have an abortion. You're kidding. No, yeah, there was a whole scene. Oh, they scene. did not include that in the movie. No, there was a whole scene where Charlie takes her to the clinic to get the procedure done. And that's when she breaks up with Derek finally and like starts hanging out with her friends and having good, healthy Ugh. relationships. The way this college man is taking Sam to the prom. Oh. Craig. I hate Craig. Have I, I made that clear? I love what he says when he goes, and then there was Sam. I've looked at her pictures since that night. I like to see how happy she was before she knew. They were in a hotel suite after prom and the truth came out. Basically, Craig has been cheating on Sam the whole time. When I heard that, I kept thinking about the happy girl in these pictures. 
Because she doesn't have 1,095 days to go. She made it. This is her time. And no one should be able to take that away. Cuts to her graduation. Oh, no. Yeah. This is so nice. And no one should be able to take that away from her. Right. Right. Uh, I love it when they're taking pictures and, like, Patrick bends over to, like, bow in one of the pictures. <laughs> and he's he's put on his mortarboard in scotch tape. <laughs> yep, this is the one. This is going to be a great angle. It leans over and it says, nothing hates you. <laughs> I love that he got to turn that around on everybody in the end. It's time to give more presents because that's how you get love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So you got to talk me through this. Okay. He says that he wanted to give Sam a part of him, you know, and he hands her this hat box at her going away party and she opens it up and it's all his books he's been reading all year. Oh, that's so nice. It's like, are these all your books, Charlie? She's like, yeah. And... He stays up late with her to help her pack. Mm-hmm. He didn't mean to. Yeah, I know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and, I know. And then he's like, you know, pretty soon you'll have a whole new group of friends you'll hang out with, you know? Yeah, he's feeling really insecure about her going away to college. Yeah, because she's going to UPenn. Yeah. Like, like where his brother's, like where his brother is. And it's not going to be that far away. And this is where Sam, she's like... Uh, why didn't you ever ask me out? Oh, I hate that she's pulling this shtick. And Charlie's like, it's like she's panicking. Yeah. Oh, why didn't you ever ask me out? And he's like, I just didn't think that would be something you would want. Yeah. And she's like, well, what did you want? Oh, God. And he goes, I just want you to be happy. She's telling him, I don't want to be your manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, no, he's like, he's like, I know I'm quiet, but like, and I know I should speak more, but like, if you knew the things that were actually in my head all the time, and you'd know what it really meant. Like, you, you, you'd How kn- we're alike and how we've been through the same thing! Yeah, and, um... Ugh. Oh, God! And I, I remember thinking that in the movie, like, oh my God, what does that mean? Yeah! Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know? It's about to hurt And us. it's about to make sense, and I really hate it. When she says to him, It's really sweet and everything, but can't just sit there and put everybody's lives ahead of yours and think that counts as love. When I rewatched it this time around, uh-huh. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This movie informed so much upon who I am and who you are and in friendship. Now, yeah, and now I'm realizing that I am still that person. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll work on that a little bit. Oh yeah, and then he starts kissing her and I'm like, oh, here we go. This is it, guys. This is where we find out about the terrible awful. Because he is not super reciprocal to her advances. He's getting triggered. Yeah. We got to talk about it. This is this whole breakdown sequence that Charlie has is just really awful because they're packing Sam and Patrick up to leave. They're going to school now. And they're gonna he's gonna be without them for a little while. And he's panicking. Yeah, he's like he's he's not handling it well at all. Like the only thing the only people in the world that he feels okay entirely okay with are leaving him. And like we get all these flashes of him not sleeping with Sam. Like they were on their way to sleeping together. Yeah. But then he like pushes her away and it doesn't happen because 
Mm. We get these intermingling shots of Aunt Helen rubbing on child Charlie's legs. Don't wake your sister. We get these shots of him looking like he's going to sweat out and die walking down the street because he's having a panic attack. Yeah. And like he keeps putting his face in his hands and he comes home and we get these shots. Remember the shots of him going to hold Aunt Helen's hand in the kitchen and they're interspliced with him having a panic attack in that same kitchen. Do you see my notes right now? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Over and over again. And he's repeating to himself, it's my fault. It's my fault. And he's picturing all of the horrible things that have happened to him and all of the people he loves in their lives, like Sam and Craig or Brad and Patrick or Candace and Derek or, you know. And even Aunt Helen. And yeah, even Aunt Helen. He's picturing the cop showing up to tell his mother that Aunt Helen was killed in the car wreck. And like we see, we cut to this, you know, party that Candace is at with her sorority sisters and one of the sisters hands her the phone she goes it's your brother and he's like candace i was thinking about something candace i killed aunt helen didn't i she died getting my birthday present so i guess i killed her right i've tried to stop thinking that but i can't she keeps driving away and dying call the police and send them to my house I must have wanted her to die, right? And Candace is like, call the police, send them to my house. And she's like, Charlie, mom and dad are going to be there any minute. And he hangs up on her. Oh, God. And he's just sitting there repeating over and over. Stop crying. Stop crying. Stop crying. Stop crying. When I watched this again, I, my whole being was so heavy, I didn't think I'd ever be able to get up off that couch. The the oh, the depth of what he is feeling right now, what he is remembering because of his post-traumatic stress disorder. Ross, you gotta get to it. You gotta tell them. And then... Tell them the horrible awful. He gets that kitchen table where he held his aunt's hand for the last time. Yeah. And he turns and sees that kitchen knife sitting on the counter. And uh, right as we see the police officer kicking open the Kalmekis' front door, we cut to Charlie at Mayview Hospital. Guys, Dr. Joan Cusack is here. With ten minutes left in the film. <laughs> yeah. I don't and she's understand like, that. Charlie, I'm Dr. Burton. I hear you're going to need some help. I'm here to help you, okay? Let's talk. And Charlie's like, I don't want to be a Mayview kid. I remember them from when I was little. Yeah. And he was like, I don't I don't want to be here. We, I actually can't be here. My dad can't afford it. You have to let me go. Yeah. And she's like, mm, don't worry about that. Just tell me how to stop it. Stop what? Seeing it, uh, all uh, their lives, all the time, just, how, how do you stop seeing it? Seeing what, Charlie? There is so m- much pain, and uh, I, I don't know how to not notice it. And I was like, that's it. That's the crux of my biscuit. 
It I'm is. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's the way you said it. It is the crux of my biscuit, and I think it's also the crux of your biscuit. If I'm being honest, uh, yeah. The fact that there is so much pain and suffering in the world, and we don't know how to shut it out. Mm-hmm. We don't know how we. We don't know how to not acknowledge it. Because it's important to acknowledge it. Yeah, the the problem is it just never gets dealt with. And it consumes us at times. Yeah. And and that's when, like, Dr. Burton's like, hmm, what about your Aunt Helen? You said some things about her in your sleep. I I don't don't care. If you want to get better, you have to. She... She was insane. She... Charlie, you gonna let me help you here? You have to talk about this. Are you gonna let me help you here? I kind of hate the pushy way she goes about it, but like, whatever. He needs to deal with it, Ross. He needs to deal with the royal it. And we don't get to see it, but Charlie then explains how he was molested by Aunt Helen that Christmas that yeah. she died. Oh my God. Uh, Helen was abused sexually as a child. She had a slew of abusive partners. And right before she died, she hurt that kid. Yeah. She hurt Charlie because she was in such pain. The victim to abuser pipeline. Is so common. Yeah. And like, I just... Because they think it's... When you are abused enough, you think it's normal. Yeah. And you may not even think that it's totally normal. It's just what you know. Yeah. And yeah, she she was abused and then she turned around and she abused Charlie. And it's just, it's the kind of thing, which not to get too serious here, but it's the kind of thing that if you have not experienced it, you can't even remotely put yourself there. Because Charlie is feeling this immense sense, this this huge cross-section of guilt about her death, but also deep hatred for her. Yeah. It's like he's trying to convince himself throughout his whole life that he actually loved her very much and that she was his favorite person. But now he's professing how much he actually was okay with her dying. Yeah. And is glad that she's dead because of what the, what she did to him. And All valid feelings. Yeah. He's writing to us again. He's got his typewriter in Mayview with him. And he's telling us he really did get the best case scenario when it comes to exposing abuse within your family. Like, I'm sure it was a shock for Mr. and Mrs. Kalmeckis. Yeah, he says that was the worst day, was when Dr. Burton had to explain to them what Mrs. Kalmeckis' sister did to her son. Yeah, and like, you know, they they embrace him. They're very empathetic. Like, there were good days. They don't say that's bullshit and write it off. Yeah. I know that much. Yeah, they, they, they spend time with him in the hospital and support him through that. Oh, and his brother and sister are playing cards with them. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, I love this line. My doctor said we can't choose where we come from, but we can choose where we go from there. I know it's not all the answers, but it was enough to start putting these pieces together. Guys, 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 Sam, Sam, all for the win, Sam. Sam found the tunnel song. Guys, Patrick rings the doorbell. Mrs. Kelmeckis opens it. Can Charlie come out and play? (laughs) (laughs) And this is where Charlie and Patrick and Sam get in Patrick's truck. And Sam's got a mixtape. She's got the tunnel song. She says, I've got the tunnel song. Let's drive. 
Yeah. Oh, you know how that makes me feel. Yeah. How, ma- how many hours have we spent driving around the country listening to music? Yeah, like, just on back roads. Just because, guys, there's really nothing to do <laughs> here in middle America. <laughs> the only things to do in the Hoosier heartland are break the law <laughs> and survive. Yeah. Like, God. <laughs> God. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. This is the, I always cry. It doesn't matter how many times I watch the movie. I know. I always cry. They get into Patrick's pickup truck and they start playing that song. And then we get one final letter from Charlie. I don't know if I will have the time to write any more letters because I might be too busy trying to participate. So if this does end up being the last letter, I just want you to know that I was in a bad place before I started high school. And you helped me. Even if you didn't know what I was talking about, or know someone who's gone through it, you made me not feel alone. And, like, he's talking to us, right? Yeah, I... I get emotional. And, like, he's, like... They're they're playing the song, and it's him that gets into the bed of the truck this time before they go into the tunnel. Yeah. And just, guys, the thing is, you never know, man. You never know when your existence, your patience, you're just willing to listen. You never know when that's doing the world for somebody. You never really know. Because I know there are people who say all these things don't happen. And there are people who forget what it's like to be 16 when they turn 17. I know these will all be stories someday, and our pictures will become old photographs. And we'll all become somebody's mom or dad. But right now, these moments are not stories. This is happening. I am here, and I am looking at her. And she is so beautiful. And she is so beautiful. Oh, boy. Oh, and they kiss. Oh, and she's kissing him out the back of the truck in the tunnel. He's 15. He's still wearing that sweatshirt. That's so me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Though that fucking, that crusty ass hoodie that you wore in middle school that you will not get rid of. This one moment when you know you're not a sad story. You are alive. And you stand up and see the lights on the buildings and everything that makes you wonder. And you're listening to that song on that drive with the people you love most in this world. And in this moment, I swear, we are infinite. And it breaks into the song. And I just, I just absolutely forever cherish the shot of him driving through that bridge with his hands up and the camera pans up into the sky. I just... It fills you up. Oh, and then the Bowie and then the (laughs) song and like, oh, that is just, oh, that's just one of my favorite movies, dude. Steven Chbosky really did bottle that special feeling. Like, this is just so special. He, He, and I'm so glad that he got to take his book and make it into this and do it the way he wanted to do it on his terms. It's just that's because so valuable. It's what makes the movie so perfect to us, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there are some really rough parts of that movie, guys, but I just feel like, you know, there's a lot that you don't understand when you are that young. But you have the capacity to feel everything. S- see, your world at that age 
is very small. And you don't think that it could ever be any bigger than that. And you think that everyone that is around you is going to be forever. Yeah. And then you grow up and you realize that those feelings don't last forever. And that life changes and the world is so much bigger than you ever thought that it could be. Oh, sweetheart. However good it felt at the time, it's always okay to look back on that because I think that's one of the things this movie's this movie did to me was it made me a little afraid to look back on those times where I was happiest when I was you know 15 to 18 <laughs> when we didn't know anything yeah when we were just free and we were on top of the world and we thought we were invincible and we can do anything and then you you grow up you become an adult and you move on and you realize that feeling is not forever I'm sorry. And that's okay. And then, But, like, you get scared to look back on those times because the hope of even feeling happy doesn't feel right. No. What, what does Ali Sheedy say in The Breakfast Club? When you get older, your, your heart, heart dies. dies. <laughs> Who cares? Thanks for making me laugh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I know I'm getting weepy over here, but, like... No, I mean, I... I cry at the end of that movie... Every time. Dude. Yeah, man. And I mean, when you when you think to yourself, man, I wish I could go back to that time when when I was freest and I was the most unburdened. This movie does that for you. Yeah. It pops that cork. It returns you right to it. And that's why we love it so much. Oh, boy. And uh, I picked it for birthday month because it just is an integral part of me, this movie. It informed a lot on me about who I would become as a person and the way that I would look at the world. And I don't know if you can say the exact same, but like... Oh, no, definitely. Like, it just... Charlie's character and who Charlie is informed a lot on the type of person that I would like to be. And the type of person that I then became. And I'm going to take your hands at this time Uh and remind you that I love you. And that I can't just worry about everyone else and think that that counts as love. Absolutely. (laughs) And I... Oh, my God. I was so annoying. All those CDs I made for all my friends. Remember when I made you play Santa with me that Christmas and we went and put my mixtapes in everyone's mailbox? Yes, I do. (laughs) In all my friends' mailbox. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh my god, guys, that's it for Ross's birthday month selections. I'm not trying to, because we're, we're trying to keep it equal. I'm not trying to outdo Carrie. She only got three selections, so I'm only doing three selections. And guys, you get next week off, and so do I, because <laughs> Ross is going to Michigan. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Oh, it'll be so good. So yeah, guys, we will be taking next week off, but Ross, I know that you are just extra jazzed to tell the people what we will be covering when we return on October. October 3rd. Guys, 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 <laughs> we're going to put the spooky on hold for just a second, okay? Yeah. Just a second. But since it's October 3rd, <laughs> and since this movie will be a legal adult this year, fucking stop. <laughs> it'll be 18 years old. Oh, I hate it. Guys, <laughs> on Monday, October 3rd, tune in to Kicking and Streaming, all the, so, all the platforms, because we will be covering the 2004 
classic Mean Girls. I am at an 11. This is going to be so much fun. It's the most quotable film of all time. I mean, just about. It's the most quotable film of all time. Hey, but don't think we're going to have a dick in our mouths about Tina Fey because. Tina, we're coming for you. We're coming for your wig. Tina, we're going to have some criticisms and we're going to have some things and you're going to be okay with that, okay? She's on my shit list. I mean, she's, yeah, she's just, I'm sorry. (laughs) Racism just isn't funny. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll get to that week after next. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. And don't forget about our private Patreon watch party. Absolutely, guys. Guys, we're doing long form. We are in the throes of the haunting of Hill House. And for just $5 a month, you guys can get access to all that coverage. Guys, if you go over to the Patreon right now, you get like instantly 10 plus bits of content. Exactly. For just five bucks. Exactly. Oh my God. And guys, we're, we're, we're taking long form through to Halloween, so. <laughs> oh, Carrie, thanks for a good birthday month, honey. Oh, I love I, you. I love you so much. Oh my God, guys. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.